0: Hello and welcome to Everybody's National Parks, an audio travel guide aimed to inspire you and your family to visit America's national parks and help you get the most out of your park experience. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode 32.1. This is our trip report for Big Bend National Park. This is the first episode in a three-part series. Our upcoming episodes... We'll talk about planning a trip from an insider from Big Bend Conservancy, and then we will speak to Dr. Thomas Schiller from Sul Ross State University about the geology and paleontology of Big Bend National Park. Send us your questions or comments to hello at everybody'snps.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Now let's get to the conversation. I'm here with Brian, and we are excited to talk to you about our trip to Big Bend National Park. Hello, Brian. It's been a while since we've done this.
1: It has, but I think it's apt because it's, uh, it's Texas hot here in New York today, so I feel like we're, we're going to be in the zone to talk about this. That's good.
0: Yeah. So do you want to set the scene of when we took this trip and where we are you know where we are since then.
1: Yeah, and basically we took the trip in late February, which is our our kids' midwinter break, which we get here in New York and the Northeast gets a midwinter break from school. And it turned out to be you know the trip right before things came crashing down with COVID. And we're here in July, and it's still uh, COVID. New York actually got pretty rough in March and April, and where we live got particularly rough in March and April. Thankfully, we're we're fine and healthy. Um, now, the rest of the country is going through a rough spot. So going back to Big Bend, we feel like this is from another time in some regards where I was only dimly aware of what coronavirus was, was not at all worried about it coming here, and we were just on a, on a great national parks vacation. So it's nice to revisit this, but it feels like the halcyon days or the days gone past when it was only several months ago and still a pretty fresh trip in our mind, but we're pretty grateful we were able to go on it.
0: We are, and what a different world we're in. And it was very well-timed for many reasons, including right at this moment as we're recording, Big Bend had closed for COVID, had reopened as parks and states states were gradually reopening. And now if you go to the website, as, as well as going to any park, you should check their website first. The park is temporarily closed until further notice. And the articles I read last week were, you know, they were found COVID positive cases in the park. So that is very unfortunate, but it will reopen at some point and it will be safe at some point to travel. And, and so we hope that you will enjoy listening to this and what we did there.
1: Or at the very least, like we're doing with with any other travel logs, feel free just to live vicariously through this trip. Again, back in the old days where, you know, we walked around without masks on and ate in restaurants and just had a a fun time. And I say that respectfully, given it's a pretty rough time in the country right now, but this was the time right before that. So we're happy to talk about it.
0: And so we've already talked about how well-timed it was before COVID shut things down, shut the world down. But just personally for us, our family had a lot going on preceding our trip, and it was a much-needed break for our family, just some time together, away from it all, away from screens and, and things, and just time to have quality time with our family. And just to add on to that, because we had just a lot of things going on personally, we did not have the time that we like to usually spend in researching our trip. We had all the logistics all set up and everything, but in terms of our itinerary and what we wanted to do, we just didn't have the time to plan those things out. And so we were so grateful to our friend from Trip Possible. If you happen to have listened to episode 19.7, which was from our Yosemite series, then you've heard of Trip Possible where Nick Mock gave lots of helpful tips about visiting Yosemite. And so Trip Possible, they're a vacation planning company that focuses on national park travel. And they put together just a wonderful travel guide for us that described hikes and activities and the different areas of the park. And as well as tips on how to make the most of our time without backtracking. I think I liked it. Because it was catered to us. He knew our interests. And so it wasn't like just looking up someone else's itinerary from blogs and things on the internet. Everything in the guide was customized for our family. And so we really got on the plane and then looked at it and thought, okay, here we go. This is our itinerary. And, you know, as most people do when they first set foot in a national park, they go to the visitor center, they consult with a ranger and, you know, make their plans. So, We showed the ranger our itinerary and what we were thinking, and, you know, we had to adjust due to weather, but we had everything planned out for us, and it was just so helpful and so grateful, really. Anyway, check it out. Trip possible. So let's get into it. So, Brian, let's talk first about getting to the park. This park is really far not near anything. You have a few different ways of getting there. It seems like most people tend to go via El Paso if you're flying. And then it's about a six hour drive and you can usually find direct flights there. We ended up flying into Midland, Odessa, and then drove from there, which is just four hours. Do you want to um, talk about those logistics at all?
1: Yeah, I think if we would do this again, we would do the El Paso route. Nothing against Odessa Midland, but it's a bit of a sleepy airport. Again, this was before oil crash, so it was busy, but it was sleepy. We had to stand, we had to wait for our car to be available for hours. And apparently that's a that is a thing there, even though we had a, a car rented in advance. Once we landed, got our gear, we had to wait, I don't know, was it like 90 minutes or so?
0: Oh, we lost several hours. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and you know, it's vacation and we we took early flights so we can get there in the afternoon, you know, get excited and get rolling with our vacation. But it's, and apparently we were told this is a thing in Midland Odessa, again, just to be a little bit more of a sleepy area. So probably the El Paso is the way to go. We, we went to Midland-Odessa because uh, just for our predilection with Southwest Airlines, given where we live and my work travel, it was just easier to use Southwest to fly into Midland-Odessa. I'm sure they do fly into El Paso, but I think I was scared off by the six-hour drive because it's slightly shorter from Midland-Odessa down to uh, Big Bend.
0: Right. But what from what I'm told, the with the travel time, it ends up being about the same because you usually ha- can't take a direct flight to uh No. So, so just a little side note and tip for the car rental. We, I won't go into the details of all the issues we ended up having with the car rental. We did finally make it and get out of the airport and on our way, but it took a while. They just were not very helpful and responsive and it was super annoying. And so... I decided I'm going to take to Twitter. (laughs) And so I tweeted about the experience because it was so frustrating and, you know, tagged the car company. I'm blanking on what car company it was. But they responded and um, said, please send us a DM. We're sorry about your experience. And they credited us a day. So thank you so much. Do you remember what car company we used? We should give a little shout out for that. That was Avis. Okay. So thank you, Avis.
1: So, Danielle, before we get to the park, just what's your real quick comment, being a New Yorker, East Coast person, being in West Texas for the first time? What was your impression before we got to the park, from Midland down to the park? What What is your impression?
0: I have never been to that part of the country, and it was a lot of sand and a lot of oil drilling. That is what there was to see out the window.
1: No, I was I was glad our kids could see it as well, because... It is a fact that that's the Permian Basin. It's a fact that a lot of our countries and a lot of the world's oil comes from that basin. It's also a fact that those people working in those areas, it was eye-opening to see kind of what a tough life they had. I mean, there was tons of those trailers, temporary trailers set up for drilling. You saw the sand pits that that are, are taken out or used, I believe, to kind of blow out the oil from the shale. And it was just really, you know, in our, again, the irony is we're in our rental SUV, right? So seeing where this came from and how it comes to us was pretty eye opening. And if anything, I had, you know, got a lot of respect for the people who work in that industry because it seems super tough and isolating and laborious. That's not an easy job. No matter what you think about the oil and gas industry, their jobs are not easy. And we just had a lot of respect for them. So it was a little bit of an education on the way down to Big Bend for us. But the drive was great. Once we got down to Big Bend, we we blessedly lost cell service for a little while and we were able to kind of wind into the park. So we were staying at uh, Chizos Mountain Lodge. So Daniel, what was your impression of Chizos once we got there?
0: Yeah. Before we get to the lodge, just be sure to get any supplies that you need as soon as you see Something available wherever you are, whether you're flying into El Paso or flying into Midland or someplace else. We stopped at the first store we saw, which was actually right as we exited the airport, got everything we needed, and then headed on our way because there are some towns, but once you're in the park, you're pretty far away from things. There is a camp store that will tie you over and stuff, but get your supplies when you see a store that has what you need.
1: Yeah, there's really not a gateway town per se. I, there, there are some that advertise themselves as such, but even they're far away. So it's... Uh,
0: Just because the park is so big also. So once you enter the gates of the park, and then it's, it was like another hour to the Chisos Lodge, I believe. But there is Terlingua. there's Marathon, Marfa, a little farther away, but a really cool town that we unfortunately did not get to visit but we got lucky. The drive was beautiful once we entered the park. Magnificent. We did get there. Thankfully in time, we did not miss the sunset. So that was great. I appreciated that <laughs> even with our delays. And so we headed right into the lodge and and just said, let's go have dinner and go grab a drink on the on the patio overlooking the window, which is that famous view if you look up if you're not familiar with Big Bend National Park, there's the window view mountains that make this little window. So it was beautiful <laughs> and uh, a great night. Nice drinks. The food was pretty good too. And that was the first and last time we saw the window until Saturday. That was on Thursday. That was Thursday evening. And then the weather took a change and we, it was so, so foggy. The next couple of days, we could not see it until Saturday.
1: Right. And the lodge is its own little weather system because it is nestled in the Chisos Mountains, the winding road up into the mountain. So you're you're in the mountain surrounded by some peaks. So it has its own weather. So you may be driving in and it's clear and you can see the clouds on top of the mountain. And again, just for the lodge, it was kind of a motel style lodge with a separate dining area, gift area, and a separate camp store. Which uh, And nearby was the Chisos Mountain campground. We stayed in the lodge, which was basically hotel, motel style, which was fine. We we had a balcony that was great for us. And again, it was a little bit chilly, so kind of glad we weren't camping. That was our home base for our our trip out there. So next morning, we were up, and what did we do nearby?
0: So the next day... As I said, we went right to the visitor center because it was closed when we arrived and consulted with the ranger. And we were going to just stay put and explore the mountains that day, the Chisos region. There's three distinct regions of Big Bend. And so they sent us over and told us to go to the east side towards the Rio Grande Village. So we first started heading, there was a ranger program. We love ranger programs. And so there was a 930 AM rocks and bones talk, which sounded pretty cool. And they have this dinosaur exhibit that's on the road from from the entrance that we came in from the direction of Marathon. So we headed back up that direction, went to that exhibit, which is super cool. You got to check that out when you're there. And that was a great ranger program. We loved that. That was with Ranger Jenna Swab at the fossil exhibit. That's what it's called. And it's the architecture and everything. You don't see it from the road. It's just really done sustainably and and very smart. So uh, what'd you think of that program?
1: I thought it was great and it was quite the highlight. I'm glad we did it when we did, because it was a great introduction to the to the dinosaur element of the park. So we were able to think about this for the rest of our trip and some of the geological features that we were able to see, we got an explanation for. So immediately, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but, you know, we, we came from our really busy, hectic lives, drop into West Texas, get an intro to the oil and gas industry, drive down to, to Big Bend, and then immediately we're, you know, we're expanded into geological time, right? <laughs> Which is a great way to slow everything down and to really think about the trip and to enjoy the topography and the park. So I'm glad we did that first, and I would recommend doing that first, even if you're not a dinosaur addict, but certainly if you have kids that are dinosaur addicts, go hit that program uh, right away, because it was nice, it was neat to see what the park looked like over the eons and how it's developed and why it's such a uh, a great repository for dinosaur finds.
0: Yeah, and one thing that I thought was pretty cool, there was the the KT boundary line, where the crater or the asteroid that you know caused the extinction of dinosaurs, you can see this like black layer that is from that that episode. Do you remember that?
1: I do. I mean that's just part of it. You saw you saw that event. And it's hard to imagine where we were standing in this arid desert at some point was a shallow inland sea with and you see the the dinosaur fossils of large crocodile type of things and raptors. And the whole thing is a great way to immediately take you out of your modern life and drop you into you know, kind of a more of a slower contemplative posture, which again, is not to overthink this and be an egghead about it. It's beautiful as well. And it's great to relax. And it's just a, I thought it was a neat way to start the trip off to really set the context, set the stage.
0: Yeah, so from there, we uh, got back in the car and headed over to the east side, where we got to the Rio Grande Overlook and got to see blue skies. But so windy, insanely windy, (laughs) wind I've never experienced. But we still uh, enjoyed it and and got to enjoy our day, even with sand in our eyes. Okay. So from there, we went to the Rio Grande Village Visitor Center, talked to the ranger there. There is supposed to be a very nice Rio Grande nature walk there. And apparently that is one of the best places to see wildlife and also go there for the sunset. But we were getting blown away. So we just got back into the car and missed doing that walk. But it is highly recommended that you do that. And then we headed over to the Bóquias crossing. This is where you can cross over into Mexico. You need to have your passports and this is a fun experience, I think. Well, we had a lot of highlights, but that was one of them. And I would say one tip to doing that. Oh, first of all, you cannot go to Mexico on Mondays or Tuesdays. So any other day you're able to go. And once you go through, it's a $5 round trip to cross the river in a rowboat. And then you have your choice. You can walk to the town or you can ride a burro, And that is also a $5 round trip. We ended up walking and taking a burro back. But I would say just take the burro round trip because how many times do you get to do that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's... um we enjoyed it but it is definitely a bit of a touristy thing but it worked for us cuz our kids now can say they've been to Mexico you know again the the village and everyone there is very nice but the the village exists because big bends across the river and so it is it is a great you know you can walk into the village or ride into the village grab lunch which is what we did say you had lunch there there's some trinkets you can buy so if you're someone who's been to Mexico a lot you know Mexico you don't have to do this. This is, this is a bit of a, a touristy thing to do. But for us, it worked for us. So it was a nice way to spend the, the afternoon. And it was also, again, a lesson for the kids about the border crossing too, because it is legit Customs and Border Patrol crossing. You know, we had to, we had to go in there, present our passports. On the way back, we had to declare anything, go through heavy doors, metal detectors, the whole nine yards. It, it wasn't just a wave through, which I think it was pre-9-11. So it's also, it was a lesson for our kids as well about, you know, what what is a border and and how we should think about the border, especially when it's something so, you know, so unimpressed, the Rio Grande is impressive, but it's just, it was a warm river that we could probably have walked across, right? So it's not as though there's some imposing, you can see where I'm going, some imposing edifice or monument to the border. It's just a sleepy little river. And suddenly to have this really a symbol of, our country and our state there on one side was a, a lesson for the for the kids. But again, Boquillas was nice. We had a great lunch. We had a couple of margaritas, which which didn't suck. And then we came on back.
0: Right. And the kids got to practice their Spanish because they used to take Spanish in school. So it was good for them to practice. You will have a guide. There will always be someone either walking with you or guiding you on the burrow. So, you know, that didn't bother us. It it does bother other people. But we enjoyed talking to him and, you know, then we tipped him. And we said the kids had to speak Spanish to earn their right to get to take a burrow back. <laughs> so that got them talking. One other little tip for going there, I would say just bring as little as possible because, you know, if you have a bag and things, just on your way back, they We'll take everything out of your bag and look and look what stuff you have. So the less you have, the less you have to deal with that. Oh, and it was super windy on that walk and sandstorms and things. But we made it. Then we went headed over to the Buquias Canyon Trail. This is a hike along the Rio Grande. This is where we had, I think, even our strongest winds of the day. And I have it written down here. 60 mile per hour winds.
1: One of our kids had trouble staying upright <laughs> at, <laughs> at one point, but I think with this first off, the hike is worth it again you you wind along the Rio Grande, we played this little trick uh where you know we had a rock and the rock was in America through the rock, and now it's a Mexican rock right and just to show you how permeable the 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 border is and how you know it's an artificial line right it's it's a it's a little river you can you can skip across if you want it. So there's places where you can be out of the wind, but once we, you know, in some places, you know, in a valley creates like a bit of a wind tunnel, it would whip around a bit, but still very much worth it. And the kids did it with good cheer. And and again, we weren't exposed to the wind the entire time.
0: Yeah, we did some walking backwards and (laughs) walking with our eyes closed, (laughs) but we made it. And I think we're all glad We, we would not have wanted to miss that walk.
1: We should tell everyone how we ended the day, which again is a good a good recommendation. We kind of stumbled into this, but this is great.
0: Yes. So, to end the day, we went to the hot springs hike, and that was relaxing and beautiful and windy but not terrible. Like we could totally enjoy that without any issue. That was nice. The wind had died died down by then. But boy did that feel good.
1: <laughs> yeah, so there's a there's a hot spring remnants of volcanic activity and there's a hot spring underneath the rio grande so i guess a long time ago someone tried to operate a resort there and this is the remnants of the resort you can still see a few of the buildings standing but when you hike down to the rio grande there's actually a little it almost looks like a ruin from an ancient time but it's a a little clay brick rectangle that is right adjacent to the Rio Grande. And that is the hot spring that you can go in and and sit down. And, you know, there were other, there were other visitors there. And it was a, first off, we met some people, we met some people from Texas. There were some people from Germany. So again, you had that great national park experience rather than being around the campfire. This was around the hot spring. And what a way to kind of unwind and massage those sore muscles is to sit there. And again, you look right over, it is adjacent Only the brick wall is separating you from the Rio Grande. So you're able to just kind of turn around and look at the Rio Grande, look at Mexico, and it was very pleasant and it was a great scene as well. So that was a lot of fun.
0: And clean off all the sand.
1: (laughs) And clean off all the sand.
0: And uh, so there are there's nowhere to change there. Like there's no restroom or changing area or anything. You just have to, you know, find a little place to hide and either be wearing your bathing suit or or change. We only one member of our family remembered to bring a bathing suit on our trip. So that was uh, me. Really? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember. It was one of our daughters, (laughs) even though I don't even know if I reminded anyone to pack a bathing suit, but uh, maybe it was wishful thinking on her part anyway. So we all just, you know, had a change of clothes to get wet and then dry clothes to change into. But that didn't bother us because it felt good. And one little side note also, getting down to the parking lot for the hot springs. I don't know if you felt this way as the driver. I was not driving. Brian was the driver. But as the passenger, I found the road to be so scary. Do you remember this?
1: No, I'm not trying to be a meathead here. I don't remember being scary. It was bumpy, but I don't remember being you, scary. It
0: felt like you were at on an edge of a cliff. It, okay, I was well, under, it was under control. That's good. As the driver, as the passenger, I was afraid. <laughs> and uh, oh, one other thing about the hike is you can see petroglyphs and pictographs oh, on yeah. your walk down. So don't don't rush down. And it's a short walk. It's not long. But uh, make sure you stop and see that. And of course, there's a longer hike. So you can keep continuing your hike past the hot springs. And um, there's plenty to enjoy. Of course, when you go to the visitor center before you start all your exploration, make sure to get the, the junior ranger booklets. And they had like, another packet where you could earn more badges, extra things. And there was something in there about doing that hike. So, you know, if you have kids with you or if you're an older junior ranger, be sure to check that out before you head down there so you could do it on your hike there. So that that was it. We were pretty exhausted by then. Even though I would have loved to stick around to watch the sunset over there, we drove back to Chisos and you know, saw the blue skies, and then saw that fog and clouds roll in, and then couldn't see anything the rest of our ride back.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we were. I'm very grateful we got to. We got some, even though it was windy, it was clear, and then the fog because it wouldn't have been as fun, foggy, being down at the uh, the hot springs.
0: No, and and that's why the ranger said don't spend the day in the Chisos Basin. Head, you know, head over to the east side. You'll have some blue skies. And apparently it was, I, I believe it was windy on both sides of the park.
1: So the next day, since we had done the east side, we went to the west side, which is a nice thing about Chisos, whether at the lodge or the campground, it is pretty centrally located. Uh, literally, it's centrally located. So it's, it was great to go from one end to the other. And then if we had to go up to Panther Junction, it was a nice spot to be in. So The next day, we went to the west side. Danielle, do you want to talk about what we did?
0: Yeah. And again, uh, just (laughs) to reiterate, it was still foggy and couldn't see anything by uh, Chisos. So that's why they said, go to the west side today. (laughs) So there is the Ross-Maxwell Scenic Drive to Castellon. And you just stop along the way at various, wherever you want. There's just tons of places to stop and explore hikes here and there. So we did not all of them, but many of them. And the day started off very cold in the 30s. But by the afternoon, it was sunny, blue sky, 60s. So you got to be prepared, you know, layers and stuff. We actually, I think, started off the day wearing hats and gloves. So before we headed over there, we first sidetracked, I don't know why we decided to do this um, that morning, but we went over to Panther Junction to the visitor center to do the plant walk for the junior ranger patch.
1: Well, that's because the kids, that's the last thing they needed for that patch as part of the junior ranger oh, okay. badge. okay.
0: And they really wanted to do that. So we we did a little detour that way and then headed over to the west side.
1: So- we got to see a bunch of things in the West area, but I, I think let's focus on the highlights. So the highlight for me, and may have been the highlight of the trip was the Santa Elena Canyon and that hike that we, we had gone on. Now, prior to getting there, we stopped at another visitor center. We saw the Cottonwood Campground, which I, if were I camping front country? That was one of my favorite campgrounds to see. And a few other things. But before we get to, into Santa Elena and that hike, anything else that we saw on the West side that, that you'd want to talk about?
0: I loved the Santa Elena Canyon uh, hike. That was spectacular. And um, I think we also saw a prairie dog right at the start of the hike. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, we did, which was, uh, you know, one of these, it's like any campsite where the chipmunks are half domesticated. Like that prairie dog seemed half domesticated. We didn't feed it or do anything, but it was cool for the kids to see a prairie dog in the wild. I think they've only seen them in zoos and Given some past jobs I've had, it was like seeing an old friend because seeing a prairie dog uh, once again. So it was cool. It was it was very nice to see him.
0: Yeah, so check out my Instagram. I will, I will post a little video because I do think I got a good video of him or her. And another hike that I really loved was the Lower Burrow Mesa Pour Off. It's an easy one mile hike, but the geologic features you see... And the dramatic canyon walls are super cool, so I definitely recommend that. We did a lot of other stops along the way, too, that I really enjoyed. Okay, so I'm just going to do a quick rundown of some of the other stops we made. We did the Sam Bale Ranch to see windmills, a pumping water, and adobe ruins. It's also a great place for birding. Big Bend National Park is supposed to be a phenomenal place for birders but we were too early for spring migration. We also stopped at Sotol Vista and saw a panoramic view, which is beautiful, and you could see Santa Elena Canyon in the distance. So that was neat to see where we were going to end up and do that wonderful hike, you know, in the beginning of our day. We didn't do the mule ears hike, but we did go to the viewpoint to see the rocks in the shape of mule ears. We checked out Tough Canyon, and as Brian said, we went to the Castle on Visitor Center, and there was a lot of junior ranger stuff to research there for the activity book. And then, uh, and then the Santa Elena Canyon Trail, which also is a beautiful place to be at sunset, but everybody was too tired, so we did not stick it out. And then we headed back to the lodge.
1: I, I just want to underscore for me, the highlight was the Santa Elena Canyon Trail. It was just long enough that uh, we all got a good workout in, but it wasn't so long that it blew out the day. It was really impressive. We got to climb right away. So you, you're over the Rio Grande, not adjacent to it as we were the day before, but you're now over it with the climb. Some switchbacks, if I remember, but then you, you steady out pretty quickly. And having that uh, view of now a canyon In and of itself was a a highlight of the walk. But when you go to the very end, it, it empties out into a bit of a tributary through the canyons, where if you skip over some boulders and rocks, you get to a window at the end, which is the, it itself is a waterfall. And you can see out this whole vista out over Texas. And I think that was stunning for us. I wasn't expecting that at the end. Now I know that's in a lot of the postcards and pictures you see of Big Bend National Park. It wasn't that arduous, in my mind, of a hike, other than that elevation at the beginning. But it was worth it. And one of the highlights of the trip for me was that particular hike. That is a, if you're on the west side, it's a it's a must-see. And if you're in Big Bend, it's a probably-see. If you only have a day or so, you need a hike, get to the west side and do that one, in my opinion.
0: Yes, it's about one and a half miles out and back, and it has an elevation gain of around 610 feet. That was spectacular. And before you really get onto the hike, you can be right on the, the bank of the river. And so we spent a bit of time skipping rocks, which was a lot of fun.
1: So the next day, we divided up. Our kids each wanted to do different things one, one to kind of relax a little bit, one, one to hit the trail. So we did the lost. Mine Trail near Chizos Mountain. So we were going to stay local as best as we could on the next day. The tip here is is get there early. It's like any well-traveled highlight trail in any of the park system is, you know, get there early before the parking lot fills up. I think we got there around 7:30 my youngest and me and uh we hit it. It has elevation. So it is a kind of a moderate hike, I would say. Probably tough for kids. Proud of our youngest. She she knocked it out fueled by a lot of granola bars, but we, we hike to the top again. You're Now you're through forest. So we've been in arid desert hiking or along the Rio Grande. Now we're in the Chizos Mountain Forest. And so that was another contrast to what we had seen before. And the forest is lush. It's different than obviously a forest we get on the East Coast. So that was um, extraordinarily interesting, but also picturesque as well, weaving in and out of the forest along the mountaintops of the Chizos Mountain. And it ends with a pretty stunning vista on top of a mountain. So think of some of your hikes, maybe to the, you know, Angels Landing type of hike at Zion, you end up on top of a, on top of a mountain, and and the Lost Canyon Mine Trail, and with sweeping vistas everywhere. So that's your reward, and then you head back down. But I recommend uh, that hike to just start a little bit early.
0: Yes. Yeah, so just to uh, refresh your memory, it wasn't by choice that we wanted to do different things, but our oldest woke up with a fever at two in the morning.
1: Oh yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, pre-COVID, we kind of just shrugged it off and said, well, take some ibuprofen, take the morning off. You know, now we'd be super concerned. But yeah, that's the pre-COVID, the pre-COVID good old days.
0: Right. Yeah. And also this was the first day of really fantastic weather. So that was a bummer that she was not feeling well. So she took the morning to rest and nap. And then I saw that there was a another ranger talk that was just on the patio at the lodge, you know, by the restaurant. And that was talking about bears. So she dragged herself out of bed. She was feeling a little bit better after her nap. And we sat far away from other people and listened to the talk. And it was very engaging. That was with park ranger Andrea Markle. And the history of the bears there are s- is super interesting. I'll let her tell you more about that.
1: So in the afternoon, with our oldest feeling a little bit better, we did the uh, window trail, which is usually kind of the obvious trail to jump on when you get to Chizos Mountain. We saved it for last. We, we got a little heat and our oldest did that hike with us, but we kept an eye on her because that, that seemed to wear her out. And again, my, my youngest had done the Lost Mine Trail, so they were pretty worn out coming back from that trail. But it's about uh, three and a half miles down to the creek, well-trapped trail. We did it in the afternoon. And it's a great way to see the uh, the Chizos Mountain campground as well, because it starts it can start from the lodge, but or you can drive down to the campground and start it from there to shave off a quarter of a mile or something like that. So that was also a very uh, a very nice hike. I know we then uh, one of the last things we did for the trip, which was also a major highlight for me. Do you want to talk about the night skies program we did with the Ranger?
0: Uh, this was a definite highlight, so. There again, our this really crazy weather we had this whole time. Big Bend is supposed to be have one of the darkest skies, and we never saw stars <laughs> the whole time we were there until this night. Thank goodness the clouds cleared and we were able to see some stars. So this was Ranger Jason Deeger and he was fantastic. He first we were in a room where he did a whole presentation that was fascinating. And then we went outside with the telescopes to uh, check things out and hear some more stories. So I'm sure the kids will want to talk more about that, but that was one of the best night programs, night sky programs I've ever been to.
1: So think about how we bookended the trip and kind of unintentionally, it's just where these things sorted itself out. We started thinking about, uh, or going to the Ranger program on dinosaurs and Big Bend and the evolution of the topography with the dinosaurs, the demise of the dinosaurs, and then we end it with you know looking at the stars and talking about I think it's the Andromeda galaxy that's on a collision course with our galaxy at some point a long time from now. so just think about that you know the amount of time that we were covering in this little trip, and in the meantime, we you know got to jump on some hot springs, went for some great hikes, ate some great food, had a few cocktails so. What a great way to, you know, imbue some lessons into our, our kids, but also be outside and kind of really appreciate where we are in our planet, in our universe, and in our country, because we were in a border area, right? To really, to really think about that. And frankly, not to fly our flags too high here, but, you know, the ridiculousness of any type of wall or something spreading from the Atlanta, uh, the Gulf of Mexico to the Pacific is just utterly bananas, when you can go up and see and touch the Rio Grande at, a, at one part uh, in the middle of Big Bend. So it's, uh, it was a great lesson for all of us, all the time getting a little bit of relaxation, getting a little bit of vacation, which again, here we are in COVID world where who knows when this ends, we so much appreciate it.
0: Right. Yeah. It was a great learning experience on so many levels, but it was also just really wonderful quality time together. So that was our last night, and we had to go back to the airport. But there was one thing left that I really, really wanted to do. And I'm so glad I got everybody on board to get an early start, an early wake up. And we headed out, packed up, checked out, and headed over to Grapevine Hills Road to the trail for Balanced Rock. This is not a long hike, but it is a spectacular hike. It was so amazing. It's beautiful. And then you get to this spot and see this balanced rock that just <laughs> looks really cool. And we will definitely post pictures. You'll see them on our website. And um, I'll put them on social media too. So, And then, of course, we had to swear the kids in for, as their junior rangers. So we did a quick stop. And got to see that same ranger from the night before from the Night Skies program to earn their Junior Ranger badges and headed off on our way.
1: The one blind spot we had in our trip, we covered literally a lot of ground, uh, and then figuratively, we you know we just talked about we covered you know millions of years in in our trip. The one thing we missed was the Native American experience at or and around Big Bend, which from what I understand was Comanche country. And on the way out, we we did see in the Panther Junction Visitor Center, the Persimmon Gap Visitor Center, we saw an exhibit on the Comanche and, and their lives. And there were some trails that they used that were right around us. And so I picked up uh, a book, Empire of the Summer Moon, I think, about the Comanche in that area of Texas. So I haven't, it's on my nightstand. I haven't read it yet, but it's another element of the park. If that wasn't enough about Big Bend, you also had the Comanche experience there as well, which of course, in that part of Texas is just intertwined with the United States, with Mexico and with the history of the area. So it was another thing that we can dig in on next time.
0: Right. So that was our trip. And as always, our kids will give their impressions. So I hope you get to make it to Big Bend sometime soon. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Brian. I hope we get to go on a, another trip soon.
1: It'll happen. Sooner or later.
0: So first we are going to hear from our oldest junior ranger. Hi there. Hi. How about we start with the bears? What do you want to talk about? You were it was just the two of us that went to this bear talk.
2: Yeah, so the bear talk was very interesting. So Big Bend is really special. There are no bear attacks. The bears do not eat human food at all. Here's the story. Because of the westward expansion, a lot of bears and mountain lions were being hunted. So bears that survived were running away to Mexico. So they went across the Rio Grande to Mexico. And so after a while, that program where people hunted animals stopped And eventually, male bears started coming back to find more food or more space. And so then, after a while, female bears started coming. And the first cubs appeared in the Chisos Mountains in the 1980s. They were born there. And that's really brave for that mama bear. She probably walked across the Rio Grande and made that big, long journey across the desert with the cubs in her stomach, which is really brave.
0: That's a really special story because the bears were gone from this area and then they made a natural return. We've learned about different reintroductions, like we learned about the reintroduction of the wolves to Isle Royal as well as to Yellowstone. But this was the bears taking it upon themselves to return.
2: Yeah, and that's really cool. So no people had ever fed them. They came much later when people probably realized that feeding bears are bad. So there's no bear attacks. They don't really need lockers. And yeah.
0: That is a really interesting story. In contrast, the ranger talked about how... For example, in Yellowstone, that was part of the draw and the attraction, feeding, you know, they would have like the stadium seating for people to watch a ranger feeding the bears or showing the bears eating right out of the dumpster. But people knew better by that time, by the time that the bears returned. yeah. So the bears never learned that habit and have just always lived naturally in the wild because you know, there are the bare hands and they just, you know, don't have access to people food. Thanks so much for sharing that. We did learn a lot. That was a great, a great presentation. So another special program that really inspired you, especially during this COVID homeschooling time was the Night Skies program. What really stood out for you and what did you find most interesting and what inspired you? And give a special mention of the project you did. So
2: I love looking at the stars. One of the jobs I want to be when I grow up is an astronaut. So we went to this presentation. Ranger Jason did this amazing presentation. It was so good. And we did a uh, model of the solar system, which is really cool too. And anyway, he talked about the Voyager program, too, which is really cool. And he had a copy of the Golden Record, and he played that as we went outside. And so when we came back home in school, I had a project to do, um, a presentation on something. And I couldn't decide what to do. There were so many things. So then I thought about the Starry Night program and I decided, well, why not do it on the Voyager project. And that was really cool and I worked on it during lockdown. Yeah, and it was a really good presentation.
0: Yeah, you did a great job with that presentation. Actually, one of our many friends that we did uh, Zoom calls with while we were quarantined at home, her son was very interested in Voyager and You know, I said, oh, she just did this presentation. (laughs) So we set up another Zoom for you to do a presentation for him on that. And he asked a lot of great questions. Oh, yeah. You are ready to take on your junior ranger duties, giving a presentation on Voyager. You also did like this simulation. You alluded to that. But do you want to just explain that you were both called up to be volunteers? And what were you representing?
2: Oh, yeah. So... Ranger Jason, he was going to do a model of the solar system showing how far the planets are. So it was up to scale, but not as wide. And so a bunch of um, kids came and took a planet and a flashlight. It was like a beach ball. And they would, like, hold the flashlight under it, and it would light up, the big sun, then Mercury, then Venus, then the Earth, then Mars, and so on. It was really cool, like, he said that Pluto would be like two football fields away and like the nearest star would be like near Canada, I think. And I was like, "Wow, space is big."
0: Right. I thought that was really interesting to see kind of grasp a little bit of the the size of of the universe and how far apart the different planets are. That was one of the many things that made this presentation so interesting. Yeah. So can you share a highlight you had shared with me off the mic, a particular highlight that you really enjoyed from the trip?
2: Yes. So I loved going to the hot springs. Because earlier that day, it was so windy and nasty. Like, I was just so uncomfortable. But the hot springs felt so good because I was so cold. The hot springs were warm and nice, and, like, the sand felt so good. The hot springs didn't even sting, and it was, like, the perfect temperature. It felt amazing.
0: And how about a fun fact?
2: Okay, so this is a really weird fact, but did you know that javelinas are more related to hippos than they are to pigs?
0: That is really interesting. How it's cool crazy. is that? Do you remember where you learned that? I think it was at the dinosaur program. All right. And let's, leading into that, I believe you've got a joke in store for us that relates to dinosaurs. I do. So we love your jokes. Let's hear it.
2: Which dinosaur wears purple?
0: I don't know. Which dinosaur?
2: The Tyrannosaurus Rex. Do you get it?
0: Okay, I think you need to explain that. Help me out.
2: Well, Rex means king, and royalty wears purple a lot.
0: Ah, that's good. You made that up yourself? Mm Mm-hmm. Nice job. It requires a little bit of explanation, for some people at least, like me. (laughs) But that was very clever. Bravo. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed the trip. It was so much fun. Yep. I hope we get to do another trip very soon. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for sharing your impressions of Big Bend. I'm glad you enjoyed the trip and I learned something new. Also, that when you grow up, you want to be a park ranger. We've heard that a lot. But you also want to be an astronaut. Yep. That is ambitious and awesome. So I look forward to that. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoyed talking to you and reminiscing.
2: Thank you for having me on. See you on the trails. All right.
0: All right. Now I have our youngest junior ranger with me. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me. So one of the highlights for you was hiking the Lone Mine Trail with Papa. Just the two of you, Papa talked about it a little bit, but let's hear your perspective. so how'd you like that lone mine trail? What were some of your favorite parts about it?
3: I loved when it started to be flat around at it started to be flat ground at the top. There was this like little um rock structure that was really f- fun. I loved to rock climb, so it was climbing on that rock rock structure. There's this little spot. There's like a kind of like a chair and a table, and so I ate my snack there, and drank my water there too.
0: So that was a pretty strenuous hike for you with your little legs.
3: Yeah, I even hiked a seven mile hike before that. I once I was done, I felt like I can walk anything. I can even walk. Twenty miles without stopping.
0: (laughs) So that hike, the the Lost Mine Trail, it's four point two miles. It's an out and back trail, and it has an elevation gain of around one thousand ninety nine feet. So that's pretty arduous. But you enjoyed it. You did it. You barely took any breaks. So good for you. Two.
3: Well, actually three, because one. You're just getting some water to be ready for the hard part. And then two, like, it was all uphill, the hard part. So we just took a little water break to just be ready for that hard uphill part. And then at the top, I was a little scared and not scared too. Like, like, high up and there's not really any fences around there and it's a cliff. and I'm like, Ugh.
0: So you got to be careful and watch your step. You guys did this this hike pretty quickly. Do you want to share why you were able to do this? You had so much fun and it was fast.
3: Well, I went to bed late that, that night, but I still had lots of energy and I just felt like running and I'd get that energy out.
0: Yeah, but what's one reason why sometimes hikes take longer than they should?
3: Because mommy takes too many pictures.
0: (laughs) Right. And I wasn't with you that time to hold you back. (laughs) Yeah. How about you share some of your fun facts? You learned some cool things on this trip.
3: Okay. Fun fact number one palm trees are not actually trees, they're in the grass family. Palm trees are just like, A bunch of um, straws with a rubber band and leaves at the top.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And what's another fun fact that you learned?
3: Roadrunners can actually fly, but they rather run.
0: (laughs) You learned that also at that first ranger talk we did at the fossil exhibit, which was so great. So now I think you have a little quiz for us. What's the question? Okay.
3: Where was Big Bend before dinosaurs were roaming? Big Bend. Where was Big Bend? These are the three choices: in a river, a volcano, or a ocean.
0: What's the answer?
3: Dremel, please. (laughs) An ocean. The Titanic plates started to move towards where Big Bend was located, and then Big Bend became a national park, but like one billion years later, though.
0: (gasps) And dry land. And so, did we see evidence of how that area used to be covered by water? What was, how did we know that?
3: The park rangers found that out that it was in the oceans. No humans were even alive, so we found out because there was underwater fossils. And also, if you haven't known, crocodiles didn't always have four feet; they had fins once, same as whales. They used they used to be around the size of dogs and wolves, but they found the water, came in, and then they started to grow bigger. Cause why not? And then later, like a couple years later after they came in the water they grew fins and they still have their back leg dinosaurs came after it was an ocean and it was a jungle, like a jungle, then after that, after the dinosaurs got extinct new animals came which it was might have been ancestors of maybe your favorite animals today. Like, my favorite animal wasn't yet a lemur. Like, my favorite animal is a lemur, but it was
0: a... So, we saw in the exhibit the ancestor of a lemur called a phenicle lemur. So, I think you want to talk about the, the Night Skies program, too. How did that inspire you?
3: Well.
0: So I want to be a candy
3: factory owner when I grow up. And so i inspired to make a cool new space-themed candy. And so I haven't thought of the name yet. And also what got me to think of it is the star Beetlejuice in Orion. And a fun fact about Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice seems like it's about to explode. So around a year ago... It was brightening and then fading. Brightening and fading every 14 months. And so it all of a sudden stopped. So that's a sign of it's about to explode. It could have just exploded today. But no one knows yet because if it exploded today, in 700 years, the people on the planet will know if it exploded because... The light from Beetlejuice it takes seven hundred years to get to Earth. Even though there might not be Earth anymore by the time <laughs> <laughs> there will be, there will definitely be no Beetlejuice by the time we can see
0: it. Gotcha. So Beetlejuice is your inspiration for your space-themed candy in your very own candy factory someday. Yeah, very and cool. It's,
3: <laughs> and it's three times the size of the sun. So it's way giant. Like there's a couple different types of stars. I think it's a giant red or it a giant blue. One of those two things. I'm pretty sure it's a giant red, but it's three times the size of the sun.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoyed talking to you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. See you, See you soon. See you next time. <laughs> See you next time. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Park's You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. Send us your stories, tips, or comments to hello at everybodysnps.com. You can write us a message or even record a short voice memo on your phone and then attach it to the email. You may be featured on an upcoming episode. Again, the email is hello at everybodysnps.com subscribe for free to Everybody's National Parks on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, become a patron. Just click on Support Our Show on our homepage. Everybody'sNationalParks.com We also appreciate if you write a review, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends. This helps more people find us. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at Hashtag everybody's national parks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.